hack into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, everybody, welcome to the stream. Good morning. Today is Monday, October 9th, 2023. This is episode number 468 of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Ocean. Over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Marcus Kyler, Security Steve, Divine Dream, my man, DJ BSEC, M1TCH, Amelia Garcia, Stephanie Strauss, Carrie. All those coming in from LinkedIn, all those coming in from, <laughs> I will turn the yeet down, all those coming in from LinkedIn, all those coming in from YouTube. Simply Cyber Community members, cybersecurity community members, first timers and long timers, we welcome you all to the stream. We've got a great show for you today. I am super pumped up back in the A-hole chair. Shout out and thanks to Eric Taylor and the rest of the mod teams for uh, running the show on Friday. Absolutely good times. We got a great show, though, today, Monday, back into the swing of things. Over the next 45 minutes, we're going to be breaking down the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my opinion and analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize this at work this week or this quarter or, heck, let's look at Q1 2024. You're going to get value out of the stream. Also, if you're looking to break into the industry, you will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current on the industry the Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is an absolute home run answer to that question if you participate and pay attention and all the things that you need to do. Plus, I got to say, the uh, networking is top notch. We got people like Ape Lincoln, Marcus Kyler, Medine G, Divine Dream, Divine Always Up in Here, Ashley Sweeney. Guys, we, the, the community is amazing, supportive, and awesome. Tom Bishop with that blue badging. Ooh, Tom, that looks good. All right, guys. And just as a reminder, I do not prep or research any of the stories that we're going to be going through over today. So you're getting my raw, straight up uh, initial reactions and uh, responses to it. Good morning to Jenny Housley in the house. Jenny, good to see you. Hope you had a great weekend. Guys, before we dig into it, I will, let me say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsor, starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor. You guys know him. He covered the show on Friday. Barricade Cyber Solutions, one of the stream sponsors, is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber attacks. Believe that. Give them a... Hold on, where are they? Ah, check them out at barricadecyber.com. My man. 
also want to say shout out and love to Panopsi Security. Guys, listen, get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program and your business goals. If you are operating left of boom, if you're responsible for an information security program, if you're just a matrixed IT person who's been saddled with InfoSec, it happens. Guess what? If you need a little bit of help, if you want some direction, I'm not talking a full-time new boss. I'm talking about getting practical, actionable intel on how you can move your cybersecurity program forward. That's where Panopsi Security comes in. Run by Brandon Poole and his team over there. They're fantastic. They can come in, check out your, you know, basically your industry, your budget, your threat landscape, and give you a practical tailored program on how you can go from zero to hero in a very short amount of time. You can even do like six month plan, one year plan, three year plan, like whatever it is, they got you covered. Wonderful partner. I love Love, 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 Brandon Poole. I'm also an advisor on the board at Panopsi Security. Just to put my, you know, like to show how serious I am about how good I think they are. That's what's up. Also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon Training. More about them at the mid-roll. James McQuiggan from the top row. Best community for networking online. Make this part of your daily routine. Thanks so much, James McQuiggan. Looking forward to that. If you are going, hey, hold on, Raniel. Raniel Isaac passed the CYSA plus and was able to renew net plus sec plus. Yeah. Nice job, Raniel. Way to go. Way to go. Way to go. Straight up crushing it up in here. Want to remind everybody, if you are going to Wild West Hackenfest, I know that is a smaller subset of people in chat right now. James McQuiggan and I are um, like on deck to speak as soon as the opening keynote is over. You get the keynote. You guys are all frothed up and ready for some action. And James McQuiggan and I take the stage, hard high five, and then starting delivering uh, our talk. So if you are at Wild West Hackenfest, please check out uh, the agenda and check out our talk. I think it's going to be pretty dope. We've got uh, audience engagement too. First time here, Zach Choate. What's up? You get the new diehard John McClain. Welcome to the party, pal. Sound effect, Zach Choke. Good to have you. Guys, I want to remind you, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up in chat, just like Zach Choke just did. Hashtag Team Live if you're not sure what to say. Grab a screen cap, file it away, and get those uh, CPEs. Good morning, GN Squad. Team NIST. What's up, Professor Black Ops? Good to see you. Thanks for the super chat. Best love it, love it, love it. All right, guys, <clears throat> um, if you are on replay, hashtag team replay again, Chris Weaver. Thanks, Chris. Always putting the minute markers in chat and then I pin them to the comments. So if you ever do go back to a show, you missed it or you want to revisit a certain story, you can just quickly get to that. Uh, compliments of Chris Weaver. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, Raniel Isaac, thank you so much. Very, very kind of you. Um, we are a community, my friend. All right, guys, it is Monday, which is what uh, Callan's Art of the Week. We may be uh, sunsetting Callan's Art of the Week and leaving the Monday slot open. Uh, Callan is a very artistic, creative kid, but his interests have started to, uh, I don't know if it's because of sports or something, but um, he, he's doing less of that on the weekend. So we'll, we'll play it by ear and see what happens. But for now, do me a favor, guys. I've got my Black Hills InfoSec hoodie on Black Hills InfoSec t-shirt. So I'm all Black hills out today. Um, love Black Hills, honestly. But do me a favor. It's time for the news. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I will see you all at the mid-roll.
From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Monday, October 9th, 2023. MGM Resorts quotes ransomware tab at $110 million. The company behind Holy crap, the I almost spit my coffee out. ransomware in September has stated that this number includes $10 million for a third-party company to clean up its systems. In an 8K report filed with the SEC, the company states that the other $100 million is due to a, quote, negative impact from the cybersecurity issue, end quote, and that its cybersecurity insurance will cover financial losses and future expenses. According to The Verge and other media sources, MGM did not pay any ransom, and the data stolen was basic PIIs such as, quote, contact information, date of birth and driver's license numbers, as well as a limited number of customers' social security numbers, passport numbers, or both, for customers that transacted with the company prior to 2019, end quote. All right, so a couple things here. One, um... So, I, you know, I hate to sound like uh, such a cynical, pragmatic person, but a couple things here. One, this is in their 8K filing, which for publicly traded companies, they need to disclose uh, transparent financial records. I'm not saying that they didn't suffer uh, a massive financial impact from this breach, but I almost think that they would be more incentivized to inflate that number in order to help um, with, you know, reporting on performance for the year and stuff like that. Like, like no, no shareholder is going to be like, well, you know, like it would have been a good year, but they had this massive hit. Again, I'm kind of curious how much MGM resorts annual revenue is because it is publicly traded. We should be able to see that, uh, annual revenue. Let's just, I just curious, right? So $14 billion in, in, uh, June of 2023, $14 billion and they suffered $110 million. So that's uh 10, one. So that's not even like that big a percentage. I can't do the math in my head right now, but um, if it was, if it was $1 billion, that would be 10%. So it's $14 billion. So it, it's less than 1%, right? If they made 10 billion, 110 would be less than 1%. So this is, Actually, if you think about it um, on a scale, a company typically impacts for ransomware, and this is a fun fact to keep in the back of your mind, about about three to seven percent of annual revenue, right? That that's kind of that's like a, a back of the napkin kind of hack way of calculating what a potential ransomware incident would cost your business, right? If you're trying to talk to executives and stuff like that, three to seven percent is kind of industry average. Again, that's back of the napkin. So this is actually below industry average. Um, again, they suffered a lot of hits because basically people couldn't um, book uh, uh, hospitality. People couldn't book hotels and stuff like that. So it just goes to show you two things. One, um, there is a cost per day, cost per hour that can be calculated by a, a hospitality group on cost of quote unquote downtime. So when you're doing kind of business impact analysis, when you're doing business continuity planning, when you're doing exposure management and you want to see like what's a freaking hour of downtime cost, this is this is you know at the level where you can do that. Also want to point out figuring out how much an hour of downtime cost or a day of downtime cost, it's not just so you can point to the the business leaders and say, hey, can we handle say $110 million of loss per week, right? It's more than that. It's 
Why? You might ask. Okay, here's why. Because if it's $110 million for one week of downtime, that means you should be able to give me like $30 million for a cybersecurity budget, right? One less than one third of what your total loss would be. Why don't you give that to me, right? I'm not going to go YOLO and go to Bali and, and, and blow your $30 million on a company outing. What I'm talking about is taking that money and investing it proactively into an information security program so you don't suffer an additional $80 million worth of damage. Do you like that, executives? Yes or no? Here's my thing. I can do it with $1 million, $30 million, $80 million. You just like tell me what your budget is. And I'll tell you how much risk reduction I can give you. Now, obviously, I'm going to come to the table with a couple suggestions, right? Here's three options. The uh, the sedan, the SUV, and then the Cadillac. You know what I'm saying? So, what, like, choose your own adventure. And that's why GRC people, I love GRC people, right? I'm a GRC person. Like, that's why we have work and we have jobs because it's not just following a prescriptive model. It's talking to the business and enabling them to make decisions for themselves on what the hell, what Kennedy, like, what do you want? Like, do you want to go all in and protect as much as you can? Cause there is a level of diminishing returns at some point, $1 of security. Um, if $1 security gives you like, say one, you know, unit of security, $40 of security doesn't give you 40 units of security. It gives you like say 37. Right. And if, I'll explain that during jaw jacking if you want, but there is diminishing returns after a certain period of time. So it's not just like throw more money at it and that solves the problem. Okay. That's what's up. Uh, anyways, um, final, final thing. They mentioned scattered spider was behind this one. Keep an eye out on this one. This is kind of the braggadocious ransomware affiliate group that definitely seems to be run by younger adults who are very much, um, you know, got the top down money thrown in in the sky as they enter the highway screaming out money ain't a thing kind of situation that's what's going on here so stay tuned for that blackboard in the 49.5 million dollar settlement for may 2020 ransomware attack settling with attorneys from 49 states the maker of cloud-based software solutions for schools and healthcare organizations will pay to settle the impact of the breach which affected millions of individuals some of whom lost unencrypted banking information login credentials, health information, and social security numbers. According to Bleeping Computer, Blackboard, quote, complied with the attacker's demand for ransom after being told that all the stolen data was destroyed, end quote. This settlement specifically addresses, quote, allegations of Blackboard violating state consumer protection laws, breach notification regulations, and the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, HIPAA, end quote. Yeah. Okay. So a couple things here. One, if you don't know, Blackbot is in my backyard. I like, I'm very familiar with Blackbot. Blackbot does do healthcare related stuff and school related stuff. What they basically do is, and this is why it was kind of a sensitive market is as far as I know, they work with um, like donors and alumni networks and stuff like that. So like if a school is trying to reach out and get a bunch of money from its alumni, it's wealthy alumni and stuff like that. Blackboard has the tools and the applications and the softwares to enable that kind of business. So obviously when they had the breach, um, people who are like wealthy donors, right? Let's just say that I invented Lifesavers, okay? And I am like the wealthiest dude from Lifesavers, but I went to UMass Amherst. UMass Amherst may engage with Blackboard and say, yo, hey, can you help us get donor money and everything like that? And then reach out to me. And I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, I love UMass Amherst. Let's go. Here's some money. Then when the breach happened, 
my credentials got hit, right? Not really the school's credential. The schools had to reach out. Like UMass Amherst would have to reach out to me, not Blackboard, reach out to me and say, hey, Jerry, like appreciate the millions of dollars over the years. By the way, your banking information got hacked because of us, even though it wasn't really their fault. Sorry. Uh, by the way, can you uh, give us more money next year? Right. So a lot of people were pissed off. A lot of schools were upset because they basically had soiled that kind of um, delicate relationship between schools and schools asking uh, wealthy people for money. Right. So that's what's up. Now, here is an absolute like, do not repeat this mistake. Blackboard, the, the major reason that this turned into a nightmare is because Blackboard tried to like cover it up and pretend like it didn't happen. They they had like a little breach. They're like, it's nothing to see here. Like, move along. I know this was in 2020, but we saw this earlier on. Like, I want to say like from 2015 to, I guess, 2020, we saw this more and more often where like a business would get hacked and they would like pretend it didn't happen. Like, Ugh, sh 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 nothing to see here, right? And now we've we've kind of moved into a more open area where like MGM comes out and within two weeks, they release uh, metrics on how much money they lost, $110 million. So there has been a, there has been a, a material shift in the way that businesses portray their victimization from a cyber attack. And Blackboard's like one of the legacy ones that did it all wrong. Now they're going to pay $50 million in uh, fees to 49 different states. Basically, attorney generals went after them for violating all sorts of regulations around disclosing data breaches. Again, you and I, like Divine Dream Divine, Eddie, Johnny Five, the, like the four of us, our personal data could have been involved in that breach. And we're probably going to get like a letter with a check for 37 cents, right? So this is one of those ones where we're holding the, you know, we're holding big tech accountable, but like the money's not like you and I aren't getting $49 million. Right. So anyways, it is what it is. Um, so just be mindful. This is an example of what not to do. <laughs> Three and me investigates breach claims. The DNA testing company used by people looking to locate distant relatives is investigating statements made on a cybercrime forum by someone who claims to have quote, 20 million pieces of data end quote from the company. Representatives from 23andMe stated to CyberScoop on Thursday there is, quote, no indication at this time that there has been a data security incident within our systems, end quote. Preliminary investigations seem to point to a possible brute force style attack using login credentials compiled from other sites. The purported seller is proving evasive in showing that they have the data. According to NBC News, the hackers have compiled a list of people with Ashkenazi Jewish ancestry. All right. So a couple of things. One, Luke Canfield, um, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Do I have a, a money? Um, do I have a money sound effect here? I don't think I do. Um, I need a money. One. Oh, great cash, homie. There you go. Luke Canfield taking the, the prize for like greatest uh, revenue generated from one of these breaches uh, with twenty nine dollars. Uh, OK, so twenty three and me guys. I this is one of those ones where. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel. I've been firmly in the camp of not giving my DNA data to these companies, Ancestry.com, 23andMe. I know a lot of people, including family members who have given their data because they want to see like how much Swedish they are or see if they can find a long lost relative. And I get that. But to me, you know, I can't call 
you know, you can, you can get a new credit card number. You can't get new DNA. Like that's that. And DNA with all they're doing with science right now, it's creepy to me. Um, and I know that they can get my DNA with like taking a glass I lick or something. Um, not that I'm licking glasses, but you know what I mean? Like, like my sipping glasses. Uh, but this data is out there now and I'm not surprised. Now, do I think that they're going to clone Nick Barker? No, I don't think we're there yet. Okay. I don't think we're cloning Nick Barker, but this data can be used like in guys in chat. If you, if you, um, if you have thoughts in chat on how this information could be weaponized, I'd love to see it. But the the criminal is saying that they have, I think, oh, what did they say? Like 2 million, um, 20 million pieces of data from 23andMe. Here's what I think. When, when I first saw this, again, you're getting my initial reactions. When I first saw this, I thought, okay, what's the impact, right? Like whenever you're doing information security stuff, you have to say to yourself, what's the impact, right? Because that's going to really dictate whether or not you take it seriously, whether or not you invest time, whether or not you need to fix it right now. Okay, so what's the impact? In my mind, it's like extortion, right? So if I find if I get this data and I can find that, you know, a certain politician has some prone proneness to like family cancer, or if I can find somebody who's related that maybe you're an illegitimate child, um, there's extortion possibilities, right? Maybe someone is. Um, some ethnicity that they're not. Maybe you want to target a, a specific population. They had mentioned uh, this particular sub-faction of Jewish population that they were able to identify, right? Like we saw what happened over, if you if you missed it, there's some big um, conflict in Israel with Hamas attack, like launching rockets into Israel um, over the weekend. So you could you could target a population, right? Like there's a lot you could do with it. Now, there's a lot of work to be done in order to take that raw data and weaponize it in a way. This isn't like just dumping financial statements, filtering or sorting by highest bank account number and then targeting the whales for financial crime. So there's a little bit more in here, but but um, yeah, so we're, I'm just seeing in chat here, Amy Devine suggesting a romance scam or long lost relative scam. Um Evidence tampering in cases. Very good uh, point. Yeah, so there has been some interesting stuff. I think it was 23andMe that was used to find the Golden State Killer because um, like his like son or whatever cousin had submitted and then they found um, comparable DNA and they're like, well, who are you? Who are you related to? So anyways, it is interesting. Um, it's why I don't do it. Like, dude, <laughs> final thought. Again, this is a little bit of a tinfoil hat, Jerry. Anything, any data you give anyone outside your control, unless it's on your encrypted thumb drive, you, like you can't, you can't have 100% security of it, right? You, you have to assume at some point there's going to be a breach. And by the way, just final, final fact, the reason I don't put my data in these things, it's not even because of a data breach. It's because I don't trust 23andMe from selling the data to whoever wants to buy it. Data is the new gold, man. Cash, homie. Why wouldn't they sell it, right? Hey, Jerry, here's 10% off uh, in exchange. We get to sell your data to whoever we want. Um, but yeah. Mobile app, zero days, fetch a good price. Because of the security built into the WhatsApp mobile apps, TechCrunch has determined that a 2020-era zero-day exploit for the Android version could go for between $1.7 million and $8 million. This particular exploit leveraged an image rendering library flaw that now has been fixed. 
More recently, however, the brokerage Operation Zero posted on Twitter slash X that it is willing to pay up to $20 million for zero-day exploits for iPhone and Android devices. All right. So here we go. Um, also love everybody submitting their thoughts. Thank you. I, Jeffrey, I did not admit to murder. Uh, believe me, I do not have the stomach for murder. If you've ever spent a minute with me, um, I can't even watch uh, like movies that aren't even I, like horror movies. Absolutely hard pass. Movies that are kind of horror-y. No, thank you. Like hard pass. Like I can't. I can't. I can't. Like I just don't have the stomach for it. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So WhatsApp zero day exploit can cost several million dollars. Guys, I direct your attention to Nicole Pelross book. Uh, this is how they tell me the world ends. This is how they tell me the world ends. By the way, it's Amazon Prime Days the next two days. So maybe uh, you get this on a discount. This book right here, absolutely worth it. This book, I'm going to drop a link in chat. This book, so freaking good. It's unbelievable. If you've read it, please let me know in chat. Little, We'll just do like a, a quick in inline book club. But here's the deal. WhatsApp zero-day exploit can cost several million dollars. Guys, there's no question. Mobile apps dominate. Every Most people, even third-world country uh, citizens, have cell phones, right? So mobile apps are everywhere. The way that businesses reach out and touch people is through mobile devices. If people have, you're like, how often... How often, honestly, do you have an app on your device that you go and remove? I know some people will remove apps, but by and large, you might download an app, not use it, but then it's still on your device, right? So there is this uh, attack surface that is out there. And because uh, these mobile devices are so um, ubiquitous, people are businesses, governments, law enforcement. They will pay large amounts of money for these exploits. Guys, in Nicole Powroth's book, this is how they tell me the world ends. They were talking about how originally like bug bounties and stuff, like a companies were offering, you know, a few hundred bucks, a few thousand bucks. And once it got out that, you know, typically government trained security researchers could find these zero days, they turned into million dollar bullets, right? Imagine like you could have instant access to an adversary or instant access to a target just for money. Dude, money, guys, like I, you know, as a citizen, I like money, but here's the deal. Cash, Governments, they have, you know, black budgets. They have, they have access to resources in order to do things. Look no further for crying out loud. I mean, this is about as obvious as ever. Um, Apple iPhone K, uh, iPhone hack, uh, Australia. This was in Nicole Pell, Pell Ross book too. All right. San Bernardino shooter, San Bernardino shooter. Okay. Uh, got found with an iPhone on him. The FBI wanted Apple to unlock the iPhone. Apple said no. The FBI wanted Apple to put in a back door on iPhones. Apple said no. Uh, FBI was going to like go to the Supreme Court or like was going to try to legally get a Apple to do this. And then all of a sudden, no big deal. FBI drops the case because some security researcher, again, this is covered in Nicole Pellroth's book. Some security researcher just cracked the phone and was like, there you go. No problem, FBI. And guess what? Um, I don't know if they have the money in here. Oh, they, they don't. Believe me, this Australian researcher... They didn't do it for zero dollars. They did it for straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. 
And that's what's up. And that's why it's so freaking valuable. And that's why you can get a million dollars for a zero day. All right. That's that's what's up. And now a word from our sponsor, Hyperproof. Tired of managing risk and compliance in spreadsheets? Sick of tracking down <coughs> stakeholders to find evidence? Worried about whether that evidence is up to date for your next audit? Hyperproof has you covered. With Hyperproof, you can efficiently manage multiple compliance frameworks and risks in a single place so you can focus on what matters most, keeping your company oh secure God. and growing. Visit hyperproof.org to get a demo. That's H -Y -P -R -P -R. I can't even hear my podcast right now. Hold on one second. Hold on. Try to try to take my try to take my hoodie off because I'm hot and rip my earpiece out. I love this speaker, but at the same time, it freaking I don't think it's designed for people who do what I do. I think it's designed for people who are like news anchors that have people that do this for them. I need I need someone stand behind me and put this on me. All right, here we go. F dot io. There we go. All right. Welcome to the mid-roll. Oh, my God. Okay, welcome, everybody, to the mid-roll. Thank you all so very much. I would like to personally thank you all for being here. I'd like to thank Barricade Cyber Solutions and Panopsi Security for sponsoring the show, as well as Anti-Siphon Training. Guys, Anti-Siphon Training, if you don't know, they are Black Hills Company, which is the shirt I'm wearing. Anti-Siphon Training is here to disrupt the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of their financial position. They offer students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what is taught, and get education from real practitioners who are awesome. I'm telling you, awesome. Bo Bullock just gave a talk at B-Sides Orlando, if you caught that. Amazing uh, practitioner. He teaches some of these classes. Obviously, John Strand. Uh, teach us some of these classes. If you're a squad member, definitely take advantage of the John Strand emote in chat. Love it, love it, love it. Oh, my pleasure, Jeffrey. All right, guys. Now, I also want to say thank you, all of you. If you're getting value from the stream, I know there's 300 plus of us today. If you're getting value from the stream, do me a favor. Zach Choate, it's his first time on stream today. Do you know how Zach Choate probably found us? Because of what I'm about to say. Do me a favor and hit that like button. It literally goes a long way. James McQuiggan with 10 gifted squad members. Thank you, James. Guys, giddy up on those squad members. So check it out. Hit the like button on YouTube right now. Why? If you hit the like button, there's 300 people in chat right now that like cybersecurity. I like cybersecurity. Sean likes cybersecurity. James McQuiggan likes cybersecurity. Zach Choate loves some cybersecurity. If you hit the like button, YouTube algorithm, it's very simple. Hey, a bunch of people like cybersecurity. Hey, a bunch of people like this show. Hey, other people who like cybersecurity probably will like this show and stay on the YouTube platform. Let's send it to them. This is how we push this stream into other people's feeds. So do me a favor, please. Only if you're getting value from the show, hit the like button. Want to say holla, holla, holla to the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Lane Hubble has the baton and has passed it to Angular, and he has accepted. Boom, baby. All right, so here's the deal. Lane Hubble, thank you for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Uh, Angular is going to go on LinkedIn right now. So listen to me. Of the 305 people that are here right now, if you want to supercharge your LinkedIn feed, if you want to build a meaningful network, and if you want your LinkedIn feed to be useful, valuable, 
and have great cybersecurity content, listen up. Go on LinkedIn right now. Search for this hashtag. When it comes up, the people who are posting with that hashtag, connect with them. Also comment on their post. Connect with the people in the comments. There's three steps here. Right. Well, first of all, there's four steps. Find the hashtag, connect with the people posting, comment on the posts, connect with the people in the comments. You will become a person in the comments. People will start connecting with you. And in a few weeks' time, your LinkedIn feed will be unbelievably valuable and really, really uh, supportive. And your network will be awesome. So giddy up on that. Thank you so much, uh, Chuck Sapp for the original concept behind this. Thank you so much, Jenny Housley, for driving this every single morning. And thank you all cybersecurity uh, community members who have either held the baton or grown your network because of the baton. <clears throat> all right. As I mentioned, it is Callan's uh, art of the week today, but we are uh, potentially putting a pause on that. I'm not sure. I got to talk to him. Uh, but do me a favor, sit back and relax, and let's slide back in to the news. $900 million through cross-chain crime. This number is just a fraction of the estimated $7 billion overall that has been laundered through a technique involving the conversion of crypto assets between blockchains in rapid succession. The trend and the numbers involved are both on the rise, according to a report published by Elliptic last week. Lazarus continues to excel in these areas of advanced cybercrime, as a report from ESET last month stated, quote, the diversity, number, and eccentricity in implementation of Lazarus campaigns define this group, as well as the fact that it performs all three pillars of cybercriminal activities, cyber espionage, cyber sabotage, and pursuit of financial gain. All right. Uh, really quick, uh, George Strasberger with the super chat. Blue label super chat might, whoop, might add. Here we go. Uh, whoop. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, George. Happy holidays with the 1492 super chat. Uh, recognizing Columbus sailing the ocean blue. All right. So Lazarus um, laundered $900 million. This is significant. So Really quick, Lazarus Group is the North Korean uh, really advanced, skilled uh, cybersecurity threat actor group. They typically conduct financial crime. Um, however, they have actually been weaponized recently to steal um, missile and military technology, notably from Russia. Uh, but that's just an aside. Uh, the FBI had noted maybe two, three weeks ago that they saw some consolidation of the crypto wallets that Lazarus Group's money had been in. Um, I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Yeah, exactly. So that's Charles Finfrock, a uh, friend of the show. He uh, he does love. I'm not sick, George. I'm feeling good. Um, so here's the deal. A couple things going on. One, with cryptocurrency, when you steal a bunch of crypto money, and you move it into a wallet because of blockchain, the wallet is publicly transparent and publicly accessible. You can see where the money is. Now they have things called mixers, which allows you to take money and move it to a bunch of wallets and then move it to a bunch of wallets and then move it into finally like whatever wallet you really want. And hopefully you can like hide in the noise, kind of catch me if you can. But there are technologies out there that can move and follow the wallet transactions as quickly as you can move it, which is really, really cool. If you want, check out uh, Andy Greenberg's Tracers in the Dark. Um, this book right here is actually the next book I plan on reading. Um, it was sent to me as a gift from one Josh Mason. Thank you, Josh, for the gift. 
Uh, it's actually signed by Andy Greenberg, which is even cooler. Uh, so this is the next one I plan on reading, but basically it gets all into these transactions and how they do it. Now, the, the word on the street was that Lazarus was amassing their money for an exit. Um, it's very difficult to get your money out of crypto into USD because of you got to go through some legit ex exchange like Coinbase or something. And Coinbase is in the practice of not allowing criminals to launder money. Those days are gone, right? Binance was allowing a little bit of money laundering and stuff like that. We are past that. Like crypto winners happen, NFTs are dead, and money laundering through crypto exchanges is kind of uh, a little bit harder at this point. Now, the fact they laundered $900 million is wildly interesting. That's significantly more than what I anticipated they uh, could have done, but they've stolen a lot more than that. You could see here, um, illicit crypto laundered by service. Yeah, you could see here, um, these are the services that they use for um, laundering their money, frankly. So big money. And you know, like the the, the crypto exchanges are per perversely incentivized because they're making money on the transactions. So it's not right. But every time Lazarus Group launders their money through stake.com, stake.com is getting a little taste of that straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Right? So there is a perverse incentive, which is, by the way, why like Binance, I I'm almost positive it was Binance, had such crappy know your customer rules implemented and got their hands slapped eventually because they could claim like plausible deniability like oh we didn't know it was lazarus group laundering money we thought it was like joe bob just you know cashing in 401ks it's like nah you didn't you liar but that's what's up okay u.s issues first space junk fine to dish network the penalty amounting to $150,000 was let okay hold on apparently uh, this just coming in um the crypto exchange washing you know, uh, money laundering services are called tumblers, not mixers. Although I think they are mixer mixing services. Am I am I mistaken? I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe B sex just messing with me, making it like a, a, a adult drink reference. By the FCC against Dish Network for quote failing to move an old satellite far enough away from others in use. End quote. Dish Network admitted to the transgression, which involved an Echo Star 7 satellite, which it had intended to move, but failed in its attempt due to a loss of fuel. The penalty pales in comparison to Dish Network's revenue in 2022, $16.7 billion, but it serves as a message to all satellite companies of the Commission's willingness to enforce the rules in a field that currently has 10,000 satellites and 25,000 pieces of space junk over four inches long. Right. Okay, so a couple things here. A couple things here. Again, this is this story is about as clear A to B of um straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie, man. So check it out. Like first of all, okay, I appreciate it. There's an A load of garbage floating in space because you know, like basically until now. You could just launch something up there and who gave a damn? Like, it's not really anyone's land. No one can really see it. So you're not really dealing with it unless you're going up in like a SpaceX rocket or something like that. So you're just like, chill, no big deal. All right, so the US issues a fine to Dish Network. Here's the thing. Dish Network made an A load of money this year. They got fined 150 grand. That is petty cash. They literally like reach under the desk, pull open like one of those small safes, Count out 150 grand, 
give it to the U.S. and then tell the U.S. to get the hell out of their office. Sorry, Kennedy. So first of all, the financial penalty of 150 grand is laughable. Second of all, Dish Network said that in 2020, I think it was 2020 or 2022. Let me just see this really quickly. Um, yeah. So they were asked to move it. I don't know exactly where it says when. I think it's 2000. And in 2022, um, the, basically the thing ran out of fuel and it had only moved 76 miles out of the 186. So I'll give them credit for trying. But here's the deal. They definitely knew this thing wasn't going to make it. And Dish Network probably made a calculated decision. Great cash, homie. Like, hey, you know, whatever, we tried. And let's just see if we get fined. Who gives it crap? Like, keep moving. This is one of those ones where, like, the penalty, the whole point of a fine, right, is to deter a business from making a behavior. When the fine doesn't even register with senior leadership, then it doesn't deter anything. It's just like, keep going, man. Who cares? We're in the business of making straight cash, homie. Let's roll. So I think this is kind of funny. Another thing to point out really quickly, the United States doesn't own space, right? I know as much as we would love to say we do, we don't own space. So like, yeah, um, US finds Dish Network, but I mean, is, can the US find like Alibaba? No. Can China find Dish Network? No. If a Dish Network satellite hits uh, another country's satellite, is that an act of war? No. Like, there's a lot of nebulous rules going on up there. So I, I feel like U.S. government finding Dish Network is kind of interesting. I mean, it's an interesting precedent to set. But when you get into, like, it's it's the same thing with the Internet, guys. Like, we're talking about finding a business for like where it's physically got assets that is in a physical area that is not owned by the country issuing the fine. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. I hate to, I hate to be like such a naysayer, but my point, you see what I'm saying, right? Cash, a ransomware gang claims attack on Portugal and Dominican Republic. Both attacks were against government institutions and both countries have reported negative outcomes from the attacks. The Portuguese city of Gondomar, near Porto, was forced to take its systems offline, forcing citizens to pay bills in person. The gang claims to have stolen passport numbers and financial documents from this attack. In the Dominican Republic, the gang <coughs> attacked the country's migration agency and is advertising PII from the theft for $700,000. The Raisita gang made news in August for its attack on Prospect Medical Holdings in the U.S., as well as attacking hospitals and government facilities in other countries around the world. Chloro okay, so this is the Raisita. Uh, just quick shout out for Jack Raisita, who I think spells his name the same way, which is unfortunate. Jack Raisita, Re Jack Reciter. Maybe I'm spelling it wrong. Hold on, Jack Re Reciter. Yeah. Oh no, it's E R. Okay, Jack Reciter. Okay. Really quick, Darknet Diaries, an amazing podcast. Almost everybody in our industry will agree that this is like probably the most entertaining cybersecurity podcast out there. Jack's been crushing it since like 2015. Love it, love it, love it. Um, so this ransomware gang, the name sounds similar. Guys, TLDR, this company or this gang, they target healthcare, they target government. They got two more governments, local, state. I don't think they're hitting federal, right? So it says Portugal and DR, but like I think they hit like little towns in Portugal in the DR. 
So it's best practices. Um, actually, you know, what's a fun fact later this week, uh, Ian Anderson is my guest on simply cyber live out of Oklahoma. And Ian does a lot of work with government, uh, local government in Oklahoma around information security. And that's actually where I wanted to focus the conversation with Ian, um, this Thursday. So I, I haven't got the promo card up yet. I haven't done the live stream yet. Been super busy, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately, but like, it's just a reality. Um, and I'm not really good at like, <laughs> um, you know, so anyways, c- come check that out. If you're interested, TLDR, if you're working in municipality, whether it's local state, um, try to do your best with ransomware, um, pre- prevention and ransomware recovery, best practices. That's the best you can do here warns of cyber attack costs as another big brand that was hit with a cyber attack clorox says it has spent 25 million dollars so far in its response to the august cyber attack but foresees additional costs and product shortages to come according to the wall street journal the time it has taken to recover and the systems affected make many security experts suspect ransomware Representatives from the company said in a statement that sales will tumble between 23 and 28% for the quarter ended September 30th, and that it will, quote, post a loss in the quarter instead of the nearly $150 million in profit that investors had expected, end quote. Yep. We've got... I mean, the story, I mean, (laughs) you know, as much as it is a different product, right? This is a consumer product line stuff. This story you know, smacks of, you know, a similar impact from the MGM resort hospitality story at the beginning of the show. Here's the deal, y'all. It's a company. They have product. They got hit with ransomware. They can't sell product or there's in this one, they have an impact to um, operations. uh, So they can't manufacture because they're a manufacturing company. Barricade cyber with the super, uh, with the uh, gifted subs. Giddy up on that. Here we go. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God, another gifted sub. Did we just become best friends? Yep. So 100 gifted subs coming down the pike. 110 new Simply Cyber community members. Enjoy that. We got the stream flowing today. King Victor B's up in here, Chad Green. If you're one of the 110 people, literally one whole third of chat right now, if you're live with us right now, one third of you are going to become squad members. Um, And probably a third of you are already squad members. So almost, <laughs> this is why you got to show up, man. Jeff, definitely appreciate it. Thank you so much, Barricade Cyber. Can we just become best friends. Yep. For the support. All right, guys. Here's the deal. Uh, deal. Clorox warning of this. It's you got you got to do best practices. This has real uh, value. This show is not uh, providing financial services, but I did see someone comment in chat about the stock's probably going to dip. I think it was Luke Canfield. Stock's going to dip and then probably go back up. That is a classic. Um, cyber attack on a public services company anomaly that we usually detect. It's happened so often that I actually suspect that um, the 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 stock market's actually going to price this in already. Uh, Clorox is Clorox the publicly traded company? Or are they part of like Unilever? Clorox public stock. Let's see. Uh, Clorox company. Here we go. CLX. Let's take a look at it. Let's take a look. Let's look at five days. Oh boy. Yeah, they went from 131.83 to 124. So I mean that's seven bucks um for $130 stock. So they went they dipped like five or six percent, right? I mean, I'm not saying that's nothing. 
when did this ha- attack occur? Because they they actually went from like one one fifty four down to one thirty, which is or one twenty five, which is even more significant. Uh, but the the industry, the uh, not the industry, like society, the economy, the economy is kind of struggling right now. So this is interesting. Again, not financial advice, but this does seem interesting to pay attention to. Uh, I might be talking to um, uh, <laughs> I might be talking to somebody uh, soon about financials on this one. Clocks got hit, guys. It just goes to show you. The final thing I'll say about this before we pivot over into jawjacking is the following: You can be a small municipality in Jacksonville, North Carolina, or you can be a Fortune 50 company like MGM Resorts or Clorox, and you can get hit. Nobody is invincible from cyber attacks, right? You're always going to have some cyber risk. And you're always going to have some exposure. And one might even argue that a company as large as Clorox with so many employees working remote, third parties, contractors, contracts, data going in, data coming out, manufacturing operations, you know, like you actually have quite a large attack surface and it's very difficult to, um, to secure it. So yeah, be on the lookout. Unfortunately, this is why we have jobs, right? So Ari uh, Fariz Azari said this happened in August. So like, let's take a look at that really quickly. So this was in September. So let's go back to August. Looks like right here might be where it happened, 166. And you could see, I mean, just look at look at the dip, dudes. This isn't good. 166 down to 125. That's a massive drop. But again, this is why, you know, it's always interesting to note, like their their ability to produce product was impacted, but like, it's not like they can't make Clorox wipes anymore. They can't make Clorox spray anymore. Like they still can produce it. They were just impacted to business operations. So that's what's up. So, all right, guys, let me see what's up. All right, let's do this. All right, guys, really great show today. I hope you had a wonderful experience, uh, either educational value, entertainment value, certainly a good time. I appreciate you all hanging out. Um, shout out to Eric Taylor, uh, Barricade Cyber Solutions, James McQuiggan, all those who gave out uh, squad memberships. If you are the recipient of um, squad membership, uh, please enjoy that. I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to go ahead and do the Oprah emote. All right. I do have a few minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and pivot. If you were here just for the news, we thank you very much for being here. I hope you have a wonderful Monday and come back tomorrow at 8 a.m. Eastern time. I actually, hold on. I think, I actually think I'm playing uh, world of haiku today or haiku pro. Um, so, um, I was out this weekend and I don't think I set it up. Let me, Oh, no, no. Let me see. Um, let me see. Hold on one second. Uh, simply cyber.io slash streams. Let me see. Yeah, I didn't schedule it, but believe me, there is going to be a World of Haiku or Haiku Pro stream later today. I just have to set it up. Uh, I forgot about it. My, oh, hey, Ellery Doro, first show. Heck yeah, come on back. Now, Ellery. Ellery Doro, it's your first show. You don't even know what's about to happen. Giddy up on this. Guys, I'm going to say goodbye to everybody that was here just for the news. But if you want to hang out and do some jaw jacking, I invite you to do that. Ellery, this is what we do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday 
or every single day if I'm not teaching. Here we go. Boom. Welcome to jaw jacking y'all hope everybody's having a good time ellery doro this is what's up we have a little a little social out here let me see i gotta change this there we go a little bit of a social let's giddy up on it y'all all right have a great day everyone be good linkedin hey marcus kyler yeah buddy ryan dickerson hashtag team live for the first time love it love it love it all right jaw jacking time is right yeah, Zach showed every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 8 a.m. is when we're doing the, the news briefing. Oh, my God. Uh, is Haiku Pro worth it? They seem to provide badges and stuff. Now, you can post a link in to display your Linux. Yeah, absolutely. I Yeah, you can. You do get badges on Haiku Pro. They do map. <coughs> excuse me. They do map to skills. Um, you do learn Linux on um, World of Haiku. B-dubs, thanks for the love on the show. Definitely a good time. What happened to my Cowboys yesterday? Johnny Five, your Cowboys. I I mean, I can't say anything because my Patriots got blown out. Uh, Patriots look like a college football team yesterday. Ugh. But uh, yeah, the, the Cowboys did not show up. Uh, George Kittle is an unbelievable talent. Kerry say not really a question. I found out that I can install Linux on Macs and the M1, M2 chips. You can only install Linux via virtualization. Okay. No coffee for me this morning. The little coffee shop I go to hasn't opened up. Oh, Alan Norris. I do love me some coffee. Oh, brutal. The worst part is when I pour and like nothing comes out. And it's like basically like you're done here, Jerry. Move along. Move along. George Strasburger, are you a Pats fan too? Let me know. If it is, you can be I'll start a new channel on Discord for a support group. <laughs> Although, you know what? No one's going to give the Patriots fans a, an ounce of sympathy because, you know, for 20 years Tom Brady basically just crushed people. Um Andre asking Excuse me. Andre asking what's the best cert for GRC positions? It kind of depends. What I would say, Andre, is that, in my opinion, ISACA's CISM and CISA are the two best for GRC. CISA is for more junior-level people who are wanting to do audit and ultimately risk. CISM is basically like just below CISO because you don't get into the budget and project planning stuff, but you are managing InfoSec programs. That's what I would say. And talking to the business. So that's what I would say. What are your thoughts on Wiz? Jamal, are you talking about the, the company Wiz? Um, Wiz is kind of like coming out of all, all, all sorts of places. Wiz was like talking about buying Sentinel One and stuff. So I don't know who Wiz is. I haven't used Wiz. Um, I haven't used Wiz, but I will say that they are like gangbusters, dude. 35% of Fortune 100 companies is using them. You know, they got this, you know, Gartner uh, grid. They don't call it Gartner, but that's basically what they're doing here. Top rights where you want to be. I don't know. I don't know anything about them. If anyone has used Wiz products 
in uh, practice. Let me know in chat. I'd love to know what you think. But to me, Wiz came out of nowhere. Um, they obviously have deep venture back pockets. Um, so that's all I know about them. You mentioned two books during the stream. Please, what were they? Raymond asking. Oh, Raymond, I got you. Uh, hold on one second. I was trying to use volatility the other day for a test. I found there was a bug not allowing the user to mem dump. I do not know a workaround for volatility on mem dump, but volatility is open source. If I'm not sure. And there's a lot of uh, community uh, support for that tool. So you might be able to find it in a uh, forum. Now, uh, Raymond is asking about the two books. I'm going to go ahead and share this on screen really quickly. So the first book is, uh, this is how they tell me the world ends by Nicole Powerroth. I'll drop a link in chat. Okay. Raymond, this book is wicked good. And then the other one is called tracers in the dark. And that's the Andy Greenberg book. Uh, this is a, hold on. This is a link to the audio. Uh, this one's all about uh, basically crypto and uh, tracing crypto transactions and really uh, not just um, for like Lazarus and nation state, but also like, um, you know, CSAM type material, uh, like sexual predators who are using crypto to, ex you know, to exchange value for stuff. Um, really interesting. Um, and the way that they... Um, the way that the good guys have the ability to track this stuff is amazing. Uh, so go check that out for sure. All right. Uh, today's Thanksgiving in Canada, Sean Peralt says, I would like to express my extreme gratitude for your show and the Simply Cyber community of great professionals. Thank you, Sean. I genuinely appreciate it. Oh, hold on one second. Hold on. I accidentally hit the wrong button. Yeah, thanks, Sean. I appreciate that. Thanks for being a part of the Simply Cyber community, Sean. We appreciate you. Uh, Jamal Ash says, I have friends interested in cyber and they asked me how do I get how I got in and told the networking. What else could I tell them? Uh well, Jamal, again, this is this is uh biased, but let me show you this. Okay, this is biased, but let me show you this. I have so many things going on that I like forget to tell people. Like we have a Telegram channel. We have the audio podcast. I forget to tell people. If you want, Jamal, I would just say, um, give them, send them this link, all right? I'm telling you right now, this book, it's like 15 pages. It's 10 steps. You take the steps in order and you will be in a really good place in order to potentially break into cybersecurity. It definitely takes a lot of the guesswork out. I'm very proud of this book. I know multiple people have used it with success. Jamal, I would suggest give that give that a shot, okay? What's your take on a new hack the box cert? Um, I don't know. Is the hack the box is it a What 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 hack the box cert? Is it the blue team one? Is it this one? No. Bug Bounty Hunter? I don't know which one you're talking about. I mean, is, uh, are these all new? Is this something Hack the Box just released? I mean, there's big money in certifications, honestly. I don't know if... Um... Here's the thing. Why would you get certified, right? 
you get certified because you want to be able to demonstrate to employers that you have a certain set of skills. So then the value becomes partially in the value of the certification itself. I personally would love to create a GRC certification that rivals the industry kind of the way Cyber Mentor Heath has done it with penetration testing, but it's an A load of work. Hack the Box does have the capacity to have a valuable certification. I have not looked into these certs. I can't speak to these certs, but I'm not surprised. Right now, there is a massive disruption in the industry around hands-on practical skills and getting it from anywhere, not just uh, commun um, not community colleges, but colleges, okay? I also want to remind everybody... Um, Space Challenge, Cal Poly. I want to remind everybody the Space Grand Challenge is happening this week. I think it's open right now. If you're interested in a really, really cool opportunity, yeah. Oh, it's next week, October 16th through the 21st. If you're interested in a really, really cool CTF, absolutely free, give that a shot. Um, Cal Poly Tech is a really awesome uh, university in California. I've been doing some work with them. I fully respect them. I think that they're fantastic. If you're interested, you can register right now. The Grand Challenge opens on October 16th, so a week from today. I think it's more designed for high schoolers, but anyone can do it. So if you're just looking for some good times, giddy up on that. All right. All right, hold on one second. How do you accept gifted subs? I think you have to like click on it at the top in chat and then you have to, it'll like give you a drop down that says you can do it. All right. Um, hi, Jerry. Have you had a chance to watch Into the Rabbit Hole? No, I haven't yet, Soulshine. I, it's on my list, but honestly, I'm watching the Wheel of Time uh, series right now on Amazon Prime. It's just kind of a, a, a break. I love the Wheel of Time books. I've read them, all of them, twice. Uh, amazing, amazing story. By the way, Robert Jordan, the original author um, from Charleston. Surprise. Um, I'm a vulnerability management analyst. Anything you recommend, I start looking into. I'm a vulnerability. What do you, uh, Jamal? Uh, you'll have to clarify that, Jamal, if you could. Like, what? What do you mean? Like, you're a vulnerability management analyst. That's awesome. First of all, I love that. But when you say looking into, what do you mean? Like, like current current vulnerabilities. Um, I guess without fully understanding your question, Jamal, what I will say is, I think you should look into the following. Okay, uh, you should look into exposure management. Okay. And I got to tell you guys, um, look into exposure management, all right? The concept of exposure management, I think it's kind of the evolution of vulnerability management. Definitely worth spending a few minutes on. And really quickly, I've been working, you guys don't even know this, I've been working my off on an exposure management course, which was commissioned by uh, a company. The course is going to be free. I developed the course. I developed the content. I filmed all the content and it's a, it's a full, I, I mean, I guess I'd call it a micro course. It's about five hours long. Um, you get badging when you complete it and uh, that should be coming out very soon. Um, so Jamal, I would, I would direct you to that. Just come st stay close to the community because I've made like promotional content and commercials and sizzler reels. And it's really just waiting for that company to drop it. Um, 
Sharice Lamb says that they use Wiz at her company and it is effective. So there you go. There's an endorsement. Thanks, Sharice, for that. Will you be at Triangle InfoSec Con in Raleigh on October 20th? No, Zach Choate, I will not be. The next conference I will be at is Wild West Hack and Fest in Deadwood. Um, yeah. So uh, on the gifted subs, Tech Stem AL, were you able to do that? How to accept gifted subs? on youtube let's take a look let's take a look together i'm going to google it go to an eligible channels live stream within the live chat select allow gifts or select the pin membership gifting so literally click on like click on this thing right here at the top of youtube right then confirm you'd like to opt in by turning on the allow gifts switch Hey, George. George asking if you guys can beta test my class. Unfortunately, no. This is like a fully commissioned course. I don't own the intellectual property of it. Uh, I don't like I, I, you know, I'm like producing it and sending it to them. And they gave me like a flat rate um, payment for that piece of work. Uh, but it's I mean, it's it's um, it, it's going to cost zero dollars to take. So how does it work when you develop a course? Does it get approved by an institution or something? So Sultan, uh, great question. It really depends on how you want to do it. So like my GRC course, for example, I developed that course based on 20 years of experience. And I know exactly what I would want an entry-level GRC person to know. Um, I had built it and then I put it out and let a group of practitioners review it and take it and then provide feedback based on that um, feedback and support from practitioners, I then refined the class and then made it go live. If you like, I'm also developing a course right now that is for a community college in the state of Massachusetts, but I'm going to be able to, I own the course. So I'll be able to make it uh, available for the public. And that particular course is going to have college credits associated with it. So because of that, it has to get accredited. I had to, I'm working with the, um, the college I have to show learning objectives. I have to show educational units. Like it, it's a much more involved formal process. So you can have it both ways. It really depends on like, what's the goal of the course, right? So like the GRC course, um, you can't like, you can't easily take the GRC course and go get college credits with it. My other course, Cybersecurity 101, you will be able to do that. So I guess that hope, hopefully that answers your question. All right. Any cert I should look into as a vulnerability management analyst? And thanks for the exposure management tip. Oh yeah, no problem, Jamal. Um, certs for vulnerability management, not really. Um, what would I recommend as a vulnerability management analyst? Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I guess with a vulnerability management analyst. Okay, so. Here is what I would do as a vulnerability management analyst, all right? And I know this is going to sound a little counterintuitive, but I would actually go get um, like an offensive security certification. Now, hear me out. As a vulnerability management analyst, you need to be able to say like, we got all these vulnerabilities, all these exposures, all these weaknesses, and we need to do something about it. And a lot of times in vulnerability management, Jamal is not the person who's like, configuring the firewall not to be insecure or configuring the database not to be publicly facing or turning off a webcam 
or patching a server. Jamal's not doing that. Jamal's just aware of it and making the business or IT or the stakeholders or the third parties aware of it. So when you are like, listen, bro, you've got to secure or harden or close this, whatever this is, you might not be able to make a compelling case to the business, but if you are educated on offensive security practices and certified potentially, you can actually say, hey, listen, I'm telling you, this one over here is not bad. This one over here is really bad. And I know it's bad because I can demonstrate how to exploit it and move right through your network and get to those crown jewels. So believe me when I tell you, this isn't a theoretical attack. I've done this attack or I'm aware of this attack and I know it will lead to a complete compromise. So get off your butt and patch the server or get, you know, or whatever. And it'll help. I mean, don't be rude, but it'll help make a more compelling argument. That's my initial thought on what to do. I don't know of any vulnerability management analyst specific certifications. All right. Let me get some of this. All right, guys. I do have a 930 with the uh, very kind uh, Kimberly McKnight. Oh, thanks, George Strasberger, for recommending the GRC class. I do love that. Yeah, vulnerability management analysts could learn specific scanners like Nessus, Tenable, Qualys, but um, it's not really like you're certified in it, right? Maya Key wants to know why there's a gap between sock rolls open and never being filled. Um yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, MSSPs will hire people all over the place, especially younger people or junior people because they can have a higher, um, first of all, they can have a higher return on investment on those resources because they pay them less. And two, because you don't you don't bring in bad habits because uh, like MSSPs can teach you the way they do things and not break you of bad habits. So I'm not sure. Kimberly was greatly missed this morning. I hope everything's going well with Kimberly. Uh, we do love ourselves some Kimberly. Um, Ignite. One of the one of the many wonderful mods here in the Simply Cyber community. Uh, thanks for that. I have Qualicert. Okay, no problem. It's just a suggestion, Jamal. I think it could go a long way to helping you. All right. Can people make requests in order to improve the NIST framework? What's the process? Yeah, so the NIST, um, yes, you can. NIST is a slow-moving federal organization, massive value, but they are slow-moving. If you want to contribute to NIST, they actually do have public workshops all the time um, with specific designs for, like, here's a public workshop for improving NIST cybersecurity framework. Here's a public workshop for 853 or 37. You just got to look for them. You can sign up for the NIST newsletter and you'll be made aware of that. I have actually participated in NIST um, framework workshops up in uh, Maryland. They host them on the NIST campus. Um, so there you go. Okay, let me see. Okay, so Alonzo is saying going to Black Hat Middle East Asia is their first conference. How do you advise? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, check this out. Doink. Doink. My favorite thing to say is I have a video for that conference. Check this out. I'm going to just link to this conference. Deb, base case, BSEC. 
There it is. Look at this. This is the ultimate panel to attending a cybersecurity conference, how to max it out. Here you go. Whoever asked that question, I think it was Alonzo. On Alonzo. There you go. Watch that video. It'll answer your question like in totality. Okay. All right, guys. I'm going to get going. Uh, I got a few minutes. I want to schedule the haiku stream for today. And I want to schedule Ian Anderson Simply Cyber live stream. Um, remember, we're starting the new. We're starting a new, well, we got a lot going on, so I, I'll just leave it at that. Guys, thank you all so very much. I hope you enjoyed the stream today. Um, all the best. Have a great Monday, and we'll see you tomorrow at 8 a.m. On, uh, on the Simply Cyber Live Daily Cyber Threat Brief. I'm Jerry, your chat. Until next time, stay secure. I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. One.